Good morning to each of you. We are uh, a few fewer maybe than normal. I think uh, sickness and family gatherings. This morning I'm preaching from Colossians 4. Uh, the title of this sermon is uh, Redeem the Time. And I um, I was trying to figure out uh, exactly what title I wanted to have because I wanted to uh, have the title be uh, We Go On, which I have uh, said often in life in conversations about whatever needs to be done, we go on. But then I thought, hmm, uh, so how do we go on? And so that's why the title looks the way it does. So we, we anticipate a future. Uh, we don't know what it is. And maybe we, um, sometimes I think we feel, many people do feel maybe the word is anxious about how the future will be, what it will be, what it will require of us or what the challenges will be. And I was uh, trying to think about a New Year's sermon and I was struggling with a text and I thought, well, I have been preaching through Colossians. It would be nice if I could find the text in Colossians 4. So uh, I'm going to use, the text I'm using is in uh, the first part of Colossians 4, so I will read there now. This is Colossians 4, 2, 2 through 5, 6. I'm reading from the New King James. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the world to speak the ministry of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. So the context was continue earnestly in prayer and walk in wisdom and redeem the time. These are main ideas. And the context for this instruction here, uh, the whole letter, I will briefly summarize. So you have in Colossians 1, uh, 
Paul presenting Christ as as uh, the creator of the universe, preeminent over the universe, uh, holding the universe together. And he discusses the agony. Uh, it's the word agony. He endures to proclaim the mystery of the indwelling Christ, this Christ who created everything and is involved and holds everything together. This same Christ, he says, there's a mystery here, and the mystery, the truth revealed, it's not a mystery anymore. The mystery revealed is that uh, Jews and Gentiles can both belong to the family of God, and they can do this because Christ has come into the world and lived in the world and died and risen and removed uh, the barrier among um, different types of people. I'm trying to decide how to say these things. And, and this Christ not only has made it possible for Jews, Gentiles, all people to be of one, but he is able to live in us by the power of the Spirit and change our lives. Then in chapter 2, Paul warns against uh, some errors, some falsehoods. Uh, they are vain philosophy, ceremonialism, angel worship, and, and uh, a wrong focus on asceticism. And he says that these uh, heresies, they, they undermine uh, the ability to understand who Christ is and to live out of Christ. And then in chapters 3 and 4, Paul describes the believer's life. <clears throat> and, and he says that the person who trusts Jesus will do these things. Pursue heavenly spiritual realities, not just earthly things. Discard old vices and put on new virtues, pursue love uh, and respect at home, pray and live wisely among unbelievers, it's mentioned here, and pursue healthy relations with other believers. The last part of chapter 4, he lists many friends, his friends, so this, the sermon this morning, uh, I want to focus on living well into the future. Uh, and I'm not going to focus too much on personal life, but more on as a church. And toward the end of the sermon, I'm going to mention some challenges we have and make a few comments about those. So... Uh, Paul's comments uh, at the beginning, they're from Ezra. Uh, thank you, because they're very pertinent. 
Um, some of us have lived long enough to realize that I'm trying to think of a, uh, a way to say this. Some of us were older. We realized that life is not a walk in the park. Like it's not always wonderful, easy, everything goes the way we want it to. Um, some days are like that. Everything works the way you hoped it would. And there's, there's nothing negative, uh, or hurtful about the day. But we all know, if you've got any age, that there are challenges. And, uh, so when I think back about 2022, uh, I feel quite positive about it, actually, and I'll talk more about that later. But but it's also true that not everything about 2022 was wonderful, and, and when I think back about my life and uh, our life, Mary Sue and I, and everywhere we've been, and everything we have engaged in, uh, we have faced challenges. And not everything went the way, I'm smiling, not everything went the way I thought it would. And maybe the truth of the matter is that often things actually went more like Mary Sue thought they would. I'm not being critical when I say that. It's just that I think I have tended to be uh, assume the best, hope for the best, expect the best, and whatever she was thinking about a situation, I think often ended up being more what it really was. And... um, I'm saying all of that to say that this really is life. So how do we go on with life as it is? So here in Colossians 4, uh, Paul says this is what we need to do is continue earnestly in prayer, diligently in prayer, and be vigilant in it, be watchful in it, and, and by the way, uh, while you're praying, just remember to pray for me because, uh, well, he was in jail. But pray for me because I have these people that I'm trying to witness to, and I just need wisdom in that. So please pray for me in that. And, um, and then um, you, need, you need to be thoughtful about how how this witnessing is done, and uh, be careful to redeem the time. Use it well. So how how do we use time well? This is the question. So the context for redeem the time is Paul's request for prayer for himself, that God would give him a door of opportunity 
and make clear to him what he ought to say to people about this mystery uh, of Christ, mystery of God in Christ. This, uh, what he ought to say about the gospel message and about the work of Christ as the Son of God and his death and resurrection. And uh, this is why he was in jail, because he was preaching the gospel of Christ and telling people, telling Jews, that they could, that Gentiles could belong to the body of Christ too. And uh, Jews reacted to him. And that's why he was in jail. So, of course, he would like to have some wisdom, and so would you if you had been there. So, what does redeem the time mean? Well, it means to buy it up, to make the most of it. Uh, the Amplified says, treat each opportunity as something precious. Now, <clears throat> I would say uh, when I was younger, like in my teens, uh, time was just like forever. That's how it felt. I would never, I couldn't wait to get out of high school. I couldn't wait. I actually think I hated school. I did not enjoy going to school. Uh, probably part of it was I'd rather have been driving a tractor. I did not enjoy being cooped up in a classroom, which I'm smiling about now because I then punished myself with a number of years of going to school after high school. I guess after I recovered. But I thought, I, I, I didn't really think about time being precious. It, it was just forever. And maybe, maybe it was like trying to figure out how to, how to use my time. What, what do you do with time? I mean, there's a lot of it. Maybe when you're young, you just, you don't think about it. Life is short. It just goes on and on day after day. And when will I grow up? So, this is maybe our age affects how we think about time, where we, whether we think about each opportunity as something precious. Uh, you get a little older and then it's like, well, time. So you do realize, I'm not trying to be negative here, but you do realize, I'm sure, that every day you live is one day less to live. And, of course, the, the positive thing about that is after this life is over, there's an eternity. That's a positive part. But do you see each moment, each opportunity as something precious? Make good use of the opportunities God gives. This is what Paul is saying. Opportunities created by prayer. And probably none of us pray enough or as much as we have opportunity to pray. So Paul makes a number of statements in Colossians that I'm going to use as uh, how to live well. So beginning here uh, with this idea of pray, pray for fellow believers, pray. How do we live well? How do we go on? How do we redeem the time? How do we go into the future? 
So Paul is saying that uh, you need to pray so that you know how to redeem the time. So pray for fellow believers. And there's, there's quite a few places here in Colossians that he mentions prayer. Uh, Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And then verse 9, chapter 1, for this reason also, since the day we heard it, uh, heard of their love and faith, we cease not to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Uh, So prayer, pray for yourself, pray for others, pray for what you know uh, they need prayer for. Be busily engaged in, devoted to, and, and diligent about it in prayer. Persevere in it and watch the King James word. Be vigilant. Be awake, alert, and pray with thanksgiving, Paul says. Thanksgiving maybe for God's answers, that God is actually involved, that he will answer prayer. Uh, The next one, be filled with the knowledge of God's will and spiritual understanding, and I think they are two different things. So to be filled with God's will is to know what God wants. To know, um, let's see, to want to do on earth what God wills in heaven. To know what God's will is. Be filled with knowledge of God's will. And so how how do you do that? Well, yes, through scripture and through prayer and through uh, sometimes it's helpful to have a conversation with someone who follows God. But be filled with the knowledge of God's will, and that's one thing. But be filled with spiritual understanding is the idea of being able to put into practice the thing that we know is God's will. Being able to carry it out, being able to live it out. So you can, Paul says, walk worthy by bearing fruit, by doing good works in Colossians 1, 9, and 10. So put off evil attitudes, put off evil deeds, and put on good behavior, behavior, righteous behavior, righteous attitudes, and walk wisely in Colossians 4 here in the text, walk wisely toward the unsaved. Then another one, be filled with and immersed in and walk in Christ. And uh, there are a number of verses where Paul says this, um, Colossians uh, 2, verse 3. Uh, I have to find my place here. Uh, he talks about the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So be immersed in. And and then verses 6 and 7 in chapter 2, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Um, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in his body. So be filled with, immersed in, walk in Christ, know Christ, understand Christ. And how do we do this? Well, we discover who Christ is in the gospel stories. And and in the, the uh, epistles, scripture, and in prayer, and in our personal relationship with Christ, we understand who Christ is. Then in chapter 3, he says, seek heavenly things, be heavenly minded. Of course, maybe you have heard this statement, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But I don't even think that's possible. Uh, Maybe the problem there is the person was absent minded. I don't think that's about being too heavenly minded. But set your mind on things above on spiritual things, spiritual realities, and and not just on uh, earthly earthly things. Then another one, uh, love, bless, and live well with fellow believers and others. Uh, In chapter 3, verse 14, um, with 12, I'll start there. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against, against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also, so you also must do. So, to love and bless and live well with fellow believers. Uh, and we know, uh, we know this is not easy. It's not easy to always be in a good, healthy relationship with everybody. It's challenging. But Paul says we should live wisely and speak wisely uh, to others, including unbelievers. Live well, live well. Speak words that come from a gracious spirit, words that people, uh, the idea is words that people may not deserve. Um, Words of mercy, gracious words. And then also he says, uh, words that are seasoned with salt, uh, preserving wholesome words, Incisive words even, seasoned with salt words, they may be incisive and decisive, to the point. 
address something that needs attention, or words seasoned with salt. And in the last part of chapter 4, Paul mentions, I'm not sure how many, it's about 10, 10 people by name, and some of these are pastors, uh, one is a slave, one is, one is uh, Mark or Marcus who abandoned Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey, and this is 12 years later. And one is his personal physician, Luke, and some of them we know nothing about, but all of these people mattered to Paul. They were important to him. And he appreciated them, and that's why he mentions them. So we we all know this. Um, anyone who has any age knows that nothing replaces uh, love uh, for others. Uh, developing and maintaining a good attitude toward others brothers and sisters, and and people not even in church. Uh, We all know that this is valuable and important and uh, and challenging. Uh, It wouldn't be near as challenging, this is my view, it wouldn't be near as challenging if everyone would agree with me. If everyone could see things the way I see it, then then it would be a lot easier. I wouldn't have to feel um, I wouldn't have to feel like I have to explain what I'm thinking. Uh, I wouldn't have to feel like I have to convince anybody. I wouldn't have to feel tense or anxious. Uh, I hope you understand. Some of this is a little bit in humor, but. It is true. I wouldn't have to feel tense or a little anxious when I'm trying to lead a discussion in church if everyone would just bow low and nod their head and agree with everything I said. That would make it a lot easier. And we all know, we all know, uh, that's just not, it's just not life. It's not how it is. And we all know it's not that way because we're not clones. If we were clones, then that's how it could be. But it's not that way. And and so it's a challenge. Uh, <clears throat> so nothing replaces love and mercy and a gracious spirit, which probably we all have some of the time and probably no one has all the time. Uh, so... The need to, uh, we all have a need, I think, to grow in this. And, and try, try to avoid, uh, which I've, I've, I've been in relation, few relationships that I, I felt like they had become a disaster. And, 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 uh, honestly, I had no idea how to help it. I really didn't know. I didn't know what to do. So maybe I'm saying this is about as big a challenge as anything in church life to go on. To go on well is this thing of of relationships. So we all have to work at this. 
And then uh, the last one I have is to be honest about what is not right, not working, needs to be clarified, or needs to change. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to talk about church life here for a few minutes. Um, I'm, not, I'm not going to try to mention all the challenges we have. I don't know if I know what they all, all are. Uh, and I'm not going to be able in my comments about the challenges to present everybody's view of the challenges. <laughs> but I don't know if I know what everybody's view is, but I can't. Um, but I, I do want to say some things. Here's one thing I notice about Paul. Uh, in his letters, he addresses many things that he thinks aren't right. He, he addresses many not right, not working, or needs to change issues. And sometimes when I've read his letters and read his comments, they felt to me somewhat confrontational. They most certainly were decisive. He most certainly had a point of view. It was his view of the matter. And I'm very sure he thought he was right. Um, so here are some examples of not right, not working, needs to change things that he mentions. Division in church, First Corinthians, other places too. He publicly denounces a man for living with, and I'm not sure was it his mother or stepmother or as if they were married. Uh, I don't know for sure, but it wasn't right. And publicly, Paul says, it's not right. Uh, He mentions brothers taking brothers to law. Mentions wrong use of Christian liberty, improper use of gifts during worship, uh, speaking in tongues, and maybe um, too much noise. But I just want to say that is not that is not what we're guilty of. We're not guilty of too much noise in church services. I just want to be clear, okay? Uh, improper observance of the Lord's Supper, problems of the married, problems of the unmarried, false leaders, heresy, wrong decisions and actions, uh, like John Mark leaving. Like that, that's not okay. Paul's like, that was not okay, and he's not going along on the next journey, okay? He's not going. And he didn't go. But somehow that improved and he saw him as a valuable person later. Peter, Paul, Paul with Peter in Colossians, no, Galatians 2, where Paul says Peter was at fault and I 
stood up to him to his face right there in front of everybody and told him, you know, you're, you're wrong. Now, I don't know. He, he might not have said it the way I did there. You're wrong. Might have been a better way to say it. Uh, and requiring circumcision in order to belong to God's covenant people. He just declared up and down, everywhere, anywhere, that's not biblical and it's not right. And that's what he was contending with Peter about in Galatians 2. 